Adventure Podcast. This is episode 10. We saved it for a 10 out of 10 in every possible way. So I have Chris Orsini here with me all the way from Florida. I'm paying, well, I'm paying him in bourbon and tacos. Yeah. I didn't buy your Wendy's. You bought your own Wendy's? I did buy my own Wendy's. So we'll see what else I can pay him in. But uh, very excited. He's going to be teaching a class for our company on Thursday, and he's here to just get all the feels, listen to our accents, <laughs> and not fry to death in the Florida summer. So, uh, Chris, could you tell me a little bit about yourself and who you are and uh, why you're special? Yeah, so, um, yeah, my name is Chris Orsini. I own a company called Leverage Strong that provides virtual um tech support and training services to Keller Williams real estate offices. Um, I'm a Keller Williams University approved trainer. So that's part of why I'm up here is I'm teaching a class that I wrote called 200 to 2, how to turn $200 into two closings. And uh, I just started doing real estate coaching as well. Um, It's been an awesome ride. Um, So yeah, a little bit about why I'm here and the conversation that we had um, before. So uh, I'm also a multiple sclerosis patient. Uh, if you're not familiar with multiple sclerosis, it's an autoimmune disease that attacks the central nervous system. So I've got lesions in my brain and my brain stem and my spinal cord. And um, so it affects like my ability to temperature regulate. Uh, I struggle with fatigue and heat sensitivity. So of course, you know, Florida's obviously the best, best place for me to live yes. where it's like 97 degrees right now. Um, and, uh, you know, just weird neurological stuff that happens. My, you know, my nerves will act up. I'll feel like I'm getting electrocuted in my foot or my hand will start, you know, twitching. It's just weird stuff. But um, so I was diagnosed with MS about nine years ago, almost 10 years ago. Um, I was 25, uh, super healthy. You know, it's autoimmune is a very mysterious thing. Well, I think it's I'm putting on a tinfoil hat now, but I think it's a lot less mysterious than they say it is. But uh, it funds the big pharma. So, um, ooh, yeah, it's like a Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so shoot my shot. Um, but yeah, so I was diagnosed with MS. I was working in food service. I had done food service for like ten years at that point, and it was very disruptive. Um, and Things like that, like when you get diagnosed with things, um, you the, the fear mindset and the limitation mindset really kicks in. Um, you're, you all of a sudden, your life's never going to be the same, and that's the truth. But there's always a way to turn those challenges into opportunities, um, and it took me about five years to learn that. So I was diagnosed. I still tried to tough it out in food service. That didn't work. My doctor, I mean, I ended up getting addicted to Vicodin, just trying to make it through. Um, My doctor was like, hey, you have to find a new career. This isn't working for you. So, you know, I bounced jobs for a while and never really found my place uh, and was got to the point where I couldn't hold a job down. I was trying to do like freelance podcast production. That wasn't paying the bills. And I was tapped out and just really thought that I was completely worthless. Like my best bet was being able to collect a disability check and just making it by the rest of my life. And then I threw a Hail Mary and applied for a job at Keller Williams. And 
ended up getting it somehow. And that was almost five years ago. It'd be five years in January. And something I learned really quickly was the effect of my mindset on my physical health and the way I felt. Um, I immediately was in an opportunistic environment where I could see that, hey, maybe just because I can't be on my feet all day doesn't mean that I can't provide value and then in turn create an income and a life by design. And it just totally shifted the way I viewed everything. And I've honestly, I've never, since my diagnosis, I've never felt less pain day to day than I have since joining KW. So my mindset was challenged. And of course, then I'm walking into this entirely new industry. I, I did food service for 12 years and did some tech stuff, but real estate was entirely new to me. Um, and it, it, I don't know, I think that was a benefit to walk in with like a clean slate, mm-hmm. right? Like I can start fresh. Um, but now I'm like, I'm seeing all these opportunities in the real estate world and leaning into it because I've, I've felt this, this hope that I hadn't felt. I mean, I honestly didn't even feel that hope before I was diagnosed with MS. And then any semblance of hope was just eliminated. Um, and so I leaned in. I went to as many classes as I could. I got Keller Williams University approved. And then two years into it, um, I get hired by Cody Gibson. And if you're not familiar with who Cody Gibson is, he uh, owns a, a real estate team called United Home Group and UHG Worldwide with now they're up to over 300 agents in 29 states and six countries. Uh, and he owns three Keller, I think actually four Keller Williams offices now. So he's kind of... <laughs> he's kind of like a household name in Keller Williams, right? Yeah. There's You can't go into any Keller Williams office and be able to say Cody Gibson and they don't know who you're talking about, right? So now I'm like, okay, I thought I had gone as far as I could, and now I'm getting hired by this guy. Okay, so I can go a little farther. And that was entirely disruptive, right? Because I'm in, you know, now I, I broke out of the four walls of an office and now I'm working internationally, right? I'm, I'm training people in freaking South Africa and Dominican Republic and, you know, doing their lead generation. And like, I'd continually start work and I'm like, is this, am I really doing this? Like this is two years in, two and a half years in, and I'm working with people across the world and just, it, it blew my mind. And then there's this one moment that stands out to me that, like, I'll carry with me the rest of my life, and I'll tell this story as much as I can. So I love this opportunity that I get to share it. So uh, Keller Williams, we've got these, we have these two major conferences for agents every year. We've got Family Reunion, which is every February, and then Mega Agent Camp, which is every August. Um, now, August of 21, they reached out to me to speak on a panel at Mega Agent Camp. So I'm like first blown, my mind's blown that they want me to speak in front of, you know, however many thousand agents are at this, this event. Um, and then there's, there's the pre-call, the, the, you know, the pre-whatever, the pre-meeting for all of the speakers. So I'm, it's on Zoom, so I, I hop in the Zoom room, and I'm flipping through all the, the pages of attendees, and I'm like, man, so many of these people, like, made double my salary in a month. Like, what the hell am I doing here? Mm-hmm. What, what, who did I bullshit to be able to get into this meeting? Who's... Like, you know, just totally my head was just wrapped around, like, I don't belong here. Like, I don't belong in this room. 
and the, the meeting ended and I just sat probably for a good half hour and just just processed what I had just experienced. It was funny because it wasn't even like nothing was said that was fascinating. I didn't interact with anything. I was too scared to unmute. But I'm sitting there like processing the room that I was just in. And I came to the conclusion that what I, well, I was obviously experiencing imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And the conclusion that I came to was I'm experiencing imposter syndrome because I broke through a ceiling that I have yet to assimilate. And all of a sudden I was, I was able to take that story where naturally I wanted to be like, I don't deserve to be here. I don't belong here. Something's wrong. Someone made a mistake to, okay, I've done stuff. I've accomplished something, and this is my evidence. This is my trophy that says you accomplished that, and that reminder that, hey, you don't know it yet, but you made it to this point. Mm -hmm. And since then, it's now lit this fire in me to chase after imposter syndrome as much as I can. I've realized if I'm the smartest person in the room, if I'm the wealthiest person in the room, if I'm the most experienced person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. I need to get up and find a new room to be in that's going to challenge me rather than simply affirm me and what I've done in the past few years. Yeah, I have 27 questions for you based on that story. I'm going to start with a couple. First, can you just define imposter syndrome? Or what it means, or what it means to you? Yeah. So what it means to me, and you know, aside from the way I, I spin it, is that feeling of someone got something wrong in order to let me be here. Mm-hmm. You you don't belong in this room. Yeah. Someone made a mistake. I haven't earned this. Yeah. I've I've faked it enough to where I've made it. Yeah. But it's all fake. Did I did I really make it? Okay. And what, I love what you said, and I think this mindset, if, if there was like one thing that people could do, you're chasing imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. which how does imposter syndrome make you feel in general? Like in, in the moment. Do you, in the it moment. Does it feel great? Does it feel terrible? Oh, it feels terrible. Exactly. I hate it. It's, it's, it's terrible. You're, you probably feel weak. You feel ashamed. You feel all these bad emotions. And I was about to say, but, yeah. and it, it, you're growing. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. So many people want to stay in comfort. Comfort is the worst thing. It has its purpose. Like mm-hmm. I love to go to bed and be comfortable. Yeah. Or like lay on the couch and watch a funny show. We watched Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. three last night. Like I didn't. I didn't want to lay on my head or like lay on spikes. Like it was yeah. fun to be comfortable in that moment. But I think. A downfall of the people is they want to be comfortable all the time. Mm. And you're saying you're seeking out this discomfort because it's a signal that you're growing. Yeah. And that's like, there's a there's a 2% mindset. And the 2% mindset is living outside your comfort zone where that's where the magic happens. Yeah. And, like, and yeah. yeah comfort, comfort's what I bring home. Yeah. Right? Comfort is what I provide to my children. Right? Comfort is sitting in the living room, watching a show with my kids, and them not having to worry if the power's going to go out or if we have food mm-hmm. or if someone's going to shoot us up as we walk out the door, right? Like, <laughs> comfort is I not... I yeah. <laughs> weird. Comfort, comfort's not what I, what I do. 
I earn comfort through being uncomfortable. Okay. Right? The same as we humans didn't exist with Publixes and with, well, what do you guys have up here? Kroger? What? What's your... We have Costco and we have uh, Walgreens. Yeah. What are, grocery stores, right? Like Pick and save. Yeah. Like we didn't... Foods. You know, historically we've gone out, it's only been, what, maybe a century that we haven't had to go out and find our own food. Mm-hmm. We haven't gone out, and this is a total side conversation, but I, I believe everyone should have to go at one point in their life, kill something and eat it, mm-hmm. right? To understand that there needs to be discomfort in order for you to have the luxuries that we have today. Yeah. We have, uh, I mean, total side note, so we'll, we'll get back on track. Yeah. Like, you mentioned the 100 years, and like we're actually de-evolving faster than we can uh, make up for it, meaning like all the comfort and the food and like the... We don't even have to really chew food anymore. It's all, like, yeah. we're supposed to be able to chew. It helps our jaw, it helps our breathing, it helps everything. Like, we're actually de-evolving, which is mm-hmm. why we see so many allergies and so much, I mean, the way it's made has a lot to do with it. But, like, I think that point has been beat to death in in a, in a sense of, like, but what I, I just love that you said you seek out imposter syndrome. Yeah. Because people could run from that, but you're actually seeking it out because then you know you grow. So then I will get to where you are now towards the end. But you did gloss over like a couple really cool things. I just want to ask, so how many agents are there at Keller Williams about? Uh, 170,000. Okay, and then how many KWU approved instructors are there? Uh, oh, that's a good question. A couple hundred at most. Yeah, yeah. So, so like not even the 1%, but like the top of the top. So. Yeah. That's really cool. And then you started your own. You started your own company. Yep. And we'll we'll get into that. There's there's definitely an evolution there. But you you really glossed over that because I think you're humble. But like <laughs> I just wanted to like get that in there. So you started from food service, and you've told me stories that aren't appropriate for podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so we'll just leave them at at that point. And then you're at this low, like this. Um, you get diagnosed mm-hmm. out of the blue. You don't think you're going to contribute to anything. What, you got this job. How did you find the Keller Williams job? Was it like an uh, ad or it was, was it? Hail Mary on Indeed. <laughs> I just Indeed. saw an Indeed ad, submitted, and honestly didn't expect a phone call back. So, and it was for, a, was it for like the market center, which is our, our word for office, like yeah. the technology trainer? It was for agent services. Agent services. Yeah. So you helped agents, real estate agents, like if they just if they decided to join KW, you helped them get their technology set yeah, up, get their emails. Started. Like you yep. were their concierge. Yeah, and it was very base level stuff. It was you know yeah, let's get your profile set up and let's pick your email address and let's do a few classes. And like I I've always enjoyed technology. I used to host a podcast. I did work in IT for a little bit um, in one of those in between jobs. Okay, and so they and this. We have an official title called the Market Center Tech Trainer. And MCTT. MCTT. And, <laughs> and uh, this, that title didn't, didn't come along until a year or so after I was hired. Um, but there was, another, there was another office. So the office I got hired in was in Boca Raton, Florida. Um, 
There was another ownership group in Coral Springs, Florida, Fort Lauderdale, and Aventura. And they had a director of technology and innovation. D-O-T-I? D-O-I? Or, uh, no, Do-T-I. director of innovation technology. So do it. Do it? Do it. Do it. His name was Jay Cermak. And, um, Jay. Yeah. So Jay, uh, Jay was a good friend of ours. Cheers, Cheers to Jay. Um, he passed away a little over a year ago. Um, and Well, we can just, I mean, I would just say it like he... I don't know for certain, so yeah, I'm just okay, gonna say. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Um, but he really pioneered the role in yeah. many ways, and because he was in that role, the uh, operating principal of my office hired me specifically because of Jay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. And so, and what was really cool is Jay. Um, Jay kind of took me under his wing a little bit, and you know we we had a good number of conversations, and he helped me kind of get some directive and things. Um, and I forget what was the question that you asked. So it was just like wh- why or how you got uh, how you found the Keller Williams oh, job. Oh yeah, and so yeah, so I was hired as agent services with like a tech bent. Yeah. That's kind of like their perspective, and then I started. I grew very quickly in that role because I, one, I enjoyed it, but two, I was like, hey, this is an opportunity. I'm going to go as deep as I can with it. I'm going to see how far I can run with it, how hard I can push it. And um, so Jay was a big part of that. And he was like, get, you know, get into KWU. He was a KWU approved trainer as well. Um, So like he kind of helped pave the path. And then John Morris came along and John Morris used to teach a class called um, Train the Tech Trainer. And Jay was like, he made sure I was at that class. And so then I meet John Morris, and it's all these these people who are John big. is like the connector of all connectors. Yeah, like, he you is, know John. Yeah, he is one of those people, <laughs> yeah. And he's actually the one that connected me with Cody that got me that job. Yeah. And so I, I continually found myself, <laughs> again, in these imposter syndrome situations where there's no reason the, it, it didn't benefit Jay in any way, shape, or form to take time to talk to me. Yeah. It didn't take. It didn't benefit John Morris in any way, shape, or form to connect me with Cody Gibson, right? And so I'm really blessed to have these people in my life. But I also, it wasn't that they just came into my life and I passively was like, okay, do stuff for me, mm-hmm. right? It was, I'm going to now be part of their circle, be part of their life and find where they're existing and follow that path. Um, and through that, it, it continued to help me think bigger. And it's funny because you, you know, now I, I get a nice little kind of top-down view into a lot of what's happening in... Which is funny because you're not that tall. Yeah, <laughs> I'm average. 5'10", okay. Scott, I'm, just because I'm not... Yeah. I know there's a 10-inch difference between yes. us, uh, but... Um, and that's in height, by the way. I'm looking, um, at, <laughs> I'm looking at your top-down version from my angle. Yeah. It's even more of a top-down. It is. So I can't even see further down than you can. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. So it's cool because I'm, I'm, I'm plugged into a lot of the regional leadership, and I, I see a vast difference between the people that are siloed and then the people that are plugged into communities. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people that have been siloed for a decade and – you would you couldn't guess that they've been doing that for a decade. You would think that they've been doing it for six to 
12 months. Yeah. Right. And then you see people that Other have been like their attitude. Yeah. They're like their, their negativity. Yeah. Whatever. They're just, yeah. they're jaded yeah. with no skills. Yeah. And then you see people that have been in it for a couple of years, but they're plugged in and they're, they're connecting with the, with everyone available and they're taking off like people like Andrew Hicks, like he joined maybe, you know, a year after I did and he's been plugged in and just trying new things and grinding. And he's honestly one of the best market center tech trainers in all of Keller Williams. Yeah. And he's brilliant. We have great conversations. I've learned a ton from him. He's learned a ton from me. And that's been the key differentiator in a lot of you know my success and the success I see in other people is that they grow their network and they don't say siloed. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, I attribute so much of my success and my growth to who I've put in my circle. So on that note, there is one piece that you've left out so far. It's on your, your t-shirt. And there Labs is a, yeah. a big community mm-hmm. of Keller Williams agents called Labs Advisors. And yep. Labs would be, well, how do you say, I say Labs, Labs. Labs, Labs. Labs, labs, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the labs advisors was really cool because, and th- this excited me too, and I'll, I'll, just a quick re- reason why, like, so the lab from labs advisors comes from, like, labbing our technology. Yep. So it wasn't normal technology would be like, here's our technology, use it. Mm-hmm. And Keller Williams had a really great vision, has a great vision, and had before it's time too, like well before oh, yeah. the time. And it was, instead of telling the technology, instead of the technology telling the agent how to how to use it, the, let's have the agent tell the technology how they want it to yep. be built. And so they had these labs and you would go all day in person and you would lab out like our contact management system, our technology, all these things. And through this process, this, this group was uh, the labs advisors, which is, basically a ragtag group of like whatever you want to call yeah, us kind grassroots, of like, yeah, grass. as grassroots as it gets and and we we didn't really know what we we're doing for a long time we would just meet and we would talk and we we started up with okay well let's let's have some um criteria around onboarding and what does it mean and let's form mm-hmm. teams and let's have specialties and then let's create like a board of directors and through this whole process i mean this is a like you said, 170,000 agent. This is a billion-dollar technology company, mm-hmm. and uh, we were we were kind of at grassroots of forming, like putting a purpose to it. We had to, yeah. we had to do a mission, a vision, and values. Well, anyways, that's a that's a community that started with probably 25, 30 people. Yeah, and now it's we're over 100. 100. Yeah, uh, and it's five, four or five years in the making. But through that, when a president was needed. <laughs> However, fate made it happen. Like you were the top runner. Yeah. I mean, I, we didn't even have to vote. I don't think, right? You were just like, "Hey, let's have Chris be the president." Right? Yeah. So yeah, it was it was cool how that all happened, and even just becoming a labs advisor. I remember. Oh, I think it was the guy's name was Brent. I was talking to him just randomly, and this was before being a labs advisor. And he's like, "What are?" what are some of the things you want to do? Because I was at that point where I was hitting a ceiling, and this was less than a year into me being uh, an MCTT, and I was like, 
I was like, well, I want to be KWU approved. And that's like, I mean, there's a structured. You knew that pro- like right away. Yeah, I knew that right yeah. away. Um, and there's a structured process to that. So that was easy. Okay, cool. I'll I haven't just... done that yet, by the way. Like, that's, that's not that easy to do. No. So, yeah, most people don't. <laughs> I was Dick. one of the f- no, no no well what I'm saying is that was so easy for me. It, well, it wasn't. Uh, here's I'm the thing. Just but I will say, so I'm one of the few people that He's blushing. passed it the first try. Right, I didn't have That's to awesome. retake any of the classes. But again, it's back to my network. So Zach Younger, who's one of my business partners, and he's John Morris is a business partner as well. But he um, he's master faculty, meaning like. I'm Keller Williams University approved. The next step is master faculty, mm-hmm. which takes another couple of years to do. Um, so I reached out to him and said, hey, can you coach me on my final assessment? It's train the trainer advanced workshop where I have to give this presentation. And so he sat on Zoom with me, let me give my presentation, and then wrote me an evaluation the same as I would have gotten in the class itself. Mm-hmm. So I was essentially taking the class like three or four times before actually officially taking the class. He he uh, he taught here, mm-hmm. side note, and he ripped my presentation up. So thank you, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate it <laughs> so, in a good way. <laughs> but so it's again, it comes back to who I let in my world, yeah, right? Who I bring into my circle, smart. where he coached me. So I only had to take the class once. Um, and it's I was like a four hundred dollar class, or it's it's to one ninety nine. I think okay. it's two or three hundred, yeah, yeah, something like that. And um, yeah, and I was able to do the whole process in a year, which is Damn. it's hard. Like it yeah. is hard. I'm, I appreciate you saying that because yeah. it's like it is hard, and um, I think you're just humble. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to like toot my own horn. Yeah, like it was yeah, tough. Yeah. Toot it. Um, so. <laughs> So yeah, so I was talking to this guy, Brent. I was like, I want to be KWU approved and I want to be a labs advisor because I saw the people that were in labs advisors. Again, it's these people of influence that I see. I'm like, I want to be in their circle. So, and it was, I think the next week and he, well, he asked me, how are you going to do it? I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep showing up. Just going to keep showing up. And we'd have these regular tech calls on on Connect Live. Remember, like we would have these live calls where they would talk about the technology and, and teach on it. And I showed up to every single one of those that I could fit in my schedule. Mm -hmm. And I made sure, and here's the thing, it's not enough just to physically show up. Like you have to speak up, you have to make yourself noticeable. Like your face is on the zoom. Your face, yeah. So smiling, yeah, my camera's on, my mics. So every time I'd make sure to find some question whether it be like a question that I needed to ask or that I think the audience would want to hear, mm-hmm. right? So I made sure that I asked a question on every single call I was on. You're very purposeful. Yeah, and it was the next week after I have this conversation with Brent that he go, <laughs> I asked a question on a call and Rosemary, who uh, oh, I forget Rosemary. her title now, but she's so, she works in lab. She works at Keller Williams International. She emails me. She was like, Chris, do you just want to be in Labs Advisors? I was like, yes! <laughs> like, So like, I pretty much just asked questions to get my, my way in way there. I asked my way to the top, yeah. And so I join, and like I was in between groups. Like They would bring groups in, and I was just kind of this one-off that joined. Yeah, you were not an OG. Yeah, I was not an OG, you, but I wasn't a newbie. You were, you were very close after. Yeah. Like, you kind of came like inconspicuously... And like, oh, who's this guy? Yeah. 
because it, it started around like March was when the group I think March was the group was officially formed yeah. and then I came in in November yeah and then in January a bunch of they they started the regional tech trainer oh. position and then a whole bunch of our solid leaders and we didn't have official leaders we just had leadership figures yeah, yeah. but all of these leader figures got pulled out of labs advisors and given the role of RTT. So just to, yeah, to explain this, so RTT means regional tech trainer. We have a lot of acronyms and a lot of them end in TT. Uh-huh. And so there's 31 regions at Keller Williams, right? 31 or 30? Uh, I'm not sure. So what happened was labs advisors, we were an unpaid group of people that were just committed to a vision. Yeah. And we showed up. So, like, mm-hmm. the lesson here is, like, Chris, you showed up and you you just consistently put yourself out there. And people are like, who is this guy? So, so anyways, the, the people that showed up as labs advisors, now we're starting to get these, like, paid roles, the regional tech trainer mm-hmm. role. Region could be, like, four states that yeah. you're, like, a tech trainer of. And they're just plucking them from our group. They're just, yeah. like, these are the... I don't know who these labs advisors are, but like these are the people that are committed. Yeah. So it's not always, hey, let's take this opportunity um, for money or for wed. It's like we showed up and you, we made it impossible for people to not see us and yeah. notice us. Notice our commitment, our candor, our passion. I just remember of those 30, like eight of them became regional tech trainers yeah. of 30 regions. And then it's like, we're just being hand plucked for for this, but what I want to say is there became this like weird beef. I don't know if you remember between like the RTTs oh, and yeah. lab advisors. Yeah. And what I remember most about you when I first met you was like, I'm a pretty reasonable guy. I think <laughs> you're a pretty reasonable guy. John Morris, very reasonable. Yeah. I think the three of us, not to like, this is just my theory. Yeah. But I think the three of us were so, like, uh, collaborative in the approach between the labs advisors mm-hmm. and the RTTs, where it was like us versus them. Yeah. And it was like, well, the RTTs—they're getting—they're getting paid, they're getting glory, they're getting yeah. Like, there's that, and we're just kind of like, what are these? We were kind of struggling for this identity. Yeah. And we're like, wait, the RTTs aren't the enemies. Like, why don't we work together? Yep. And I feel like because of you. Because of me and because of John, we we really helped like get like have this like friendship or connection between us versus like us versus them. Yeah, it was two two sides of the same coin. Yeah, we're at all, the end we of the had day. the same yeah. mission. We had the same exactly. everything. Yep. So and it was great because yeah, John got the three of us to have this conversation, and he was like, "Hey, I'm because two like our." all of our solid leadership was really just pulled out from under us overnight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we were floundering. Like we didn't know, we didn't have any structure. KWRI was getting frustrated with us because we weren't communicating well. And it was just like, nobody was happy in this scenario. Yeah. And John was like, hey, I see the writing on the wall. I'm concerned because I see the value of this group. Like I need, someone needs to step up in leadership. And I think you and Scott, you meaning me and, Scott, yeah. meaning you, Scott, should <laughs> should should step up, and so we did. And what was it, like, we had a conversation with KWRI, and they were like, "Hey, we need more people, uh, more labs advisors," because we had lost so many people to the regional position to RTT. 
And we're like, okay, we'll do it. But we didn't. Like, we didn't do it fast enough. We were just, like, just, you know, like, you, you love your systems. I love my systems. And we were, like, mulling over it too much. And they were like, hey, you know, too little, too late. And they brought in a whole bunch of new labs advisors. Yeah. And it was, like, 40. It was, like, 30 or 40 all at once. And we were slammed. And, like, I'm like, you and me were pro- trying to figure out how to process the intake and, like, tell them the information. And it was a cluster for a while. But then what was really cool was we started seeing more talent come in. Yeah. Right? And there were plenty of gaps. Like, I'm, I'm really good with, uh, like, looking at operations and systematizing operations. I'm not really great at doing operations. <laughs> Right, you know, you've read Rocket Fuel, right? Yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm it's the like visionary. My, it's my book. Yeah, I'm a little shitty on the implementation. So, then like Abby came yeah. in, and Abby's like a super systems operation yeah. mind, and I was like, Abby, we need you, and we built this entire team that is now like totally self-operating. Yeah. To where, and then like we, you know, we gave ourselves titles so people knew where they could go, and I was like, hey. I don't really fit into any of these. What would you guys put my title as? And everyone's like president. Yeah. And it was, yeah. And major, (laughs) like I still struggle with saying I'm the president because it's not even, I don't know. It's. What about El Presidente? I'll take El Presidente. Yeah. But you know, it's one of those things that where this is a lesson that people can apply to anything Mm -hmm. is find a gap and fill it, Mm -hmm. find a gap and fill it and you will become invaluable if you just continually do that. And it doesn't always have to be you filling the gap, right? You can be the one who finds the gap and finds the person to fill it. You've now become a irreplaceable link in this operation, whether you're actually operating in it or not. And making it so impossible, like your actions so impossible to not see. Yeah. Like you can't, you couldn't be involved in this world and not know, like, oh, what is Chris doing? Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just, like, make it so impossible to not be recognized. Mm-hmm. Wait, that was a double negative. But you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and, and that, I think, too, yeah, you mentioned Abby because then that's when, like, our ideas became a thing. And yeah. it got into a playbook and it got into a system. And now it's like, oh, each quarter let's onboard new let's onboard new labs advisors yeah and let's create a application process mm-hmm. and they have to do a video and now and now it's like oh we have a lot of leadership we have a lot of office leadership we have a lot of like the MCTT roles yep. we need more agents okay let's go get more agents and and then it just became really purposeful and and yeah i haven't been able to be as involved lately but i love that it's still like the systems of it it's still going so strong. Yep. And without it, this is a billion dollar tech company that they're like, hey, here's this new idea we want. What do you guys think? Yeah. They're relying on us. Yeah, we're ideating now, and how we're cool beta is testing. That yep. to even say it'd be like working for Google or working for whatever. Like KW is like that of the real estate world because yeah. that's what he's trying. He's trying to protect the Gary Keller's trying to protect the real to real estate agent. And we're all part of that that vision, yeah. So it's cool. So now, to move from that, because you're still president of that, but mm-hmm. I remember the day when Cody did get that uh, opportunity. You know, that opportunity came your way. 
because I remember it because of the labs advisors. It was like, hey, so I remember every Monday we'd meet. It'd be like, so-and-so got an RTT role. So-and-so yeah. got this role. So it was, it was so cool to see. And then you got that, that role, director of, basically director of technology. Technology and Legion. Yep, director for, uh, of tech. And for, you know, a multi-country, multi-state, you know, company. Real estate team, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, I, and I thought that was so cool. I thought it was very well-deserved from my viewpoint. You're yeah. probably like, what the hell? Why, oh, yeah. why did this come to me? Dude, the whole, the whole time in the interview process, I'm like naming all the people in my head that could do it better than me. Right? Like, that's yeah. the imposter syndrome that I have. But then I was like, John, I was talking to John about it. He's like, so you're going to, if he offers you the job, are you going to take it? I'm like, yeah, of course I'm going to take it. Like, because again, I'm in a position where I'm in imposter syndrome and I'm thinking, you know, who else should have this job? And obviously, because that's, I don't think I should have it. Yeah. Well, it's funny because even the, these mics, you're like, no, this one's wrong. Let's. <laughs> yeah, like, fix your like, mic. Oh, cool. Yeah, and you got my, my system set up. So you, you did this role. You went from this, like, four, you call it, like, a four-wall, four, four wall, you know, like, market center office role, 40-hour-a-week, whatever. Yeah. And then you go to this, which is, like, you're pioneering. Like, he's one of four or five people on the planet doing this. Yeah. You're, like, pioneering, like, flying the plane as it's in the air. Yeah. Wait. Building, building the plane. <laughs> building the plane while it's in the air, yeah. Uh, and anyone can fly a plane. <laughs> you got to build it while it's in the air. And now you now what you're doing is so talk us through the leverage strong and the company yeah. that you have now. Yeah, so um again like back to like showing up and having, you know, when you show up enough, you you start building this mind share with people, mm-hmm. right? Um and and guys for the record, like I just want to throw this out there, you don't have to be brilliant to show up. You just have to ask questions. It's all you need to do. Just show up and ask questions. And that's going to build your mind share and you're going to grow and your network's going to grow. And it's, I just, I've been on this whole question kick so lately. So the question really quick, you just did, so we just had a, a an advance, a team advance for my real estate team, which advance is just a fancy word for a retreat. So every quarter we try to like reset we don't try we do we reset our our vision we we talk about where we've gone what we did we we want to go where we're going so we just did an advance in your whole chris was the guest speaker mm-hmm. and it was about questions it was a very cool activity yeah it was by fun the way it's got my brain going <laughs> i love questions someone has once called me uh i don't know it wasn't king of questions it was it was, I, I'm a very big fan of questions, we'll just say that. Um, but, what I, but what I loved about that is you, you said the quote. What was the quote? Uh, don't judge a man by his, question, or by his answers, judge him by his questions. Yes. Yeah. So there's a little nugget for you. Yep. Now go ahead. So yeah, so um, we're at Family Reunion, and John Moritz approaches me. He goes, hey, I've got this idea. I don't want to do it alone. I want you involved if we're going to do it. Okay. And he threw the idea out there, and I was like, super cool. I like the idea. We're in the middle of a conference. I'm not retaining anything. Let's let's chat when we get home. Um, so he, you know, we, we keep talking about it, and he goes – 
you know, he gets Rain Man with these ideas. Like, he's on a spreadsheet punching in numbers, so if we do this and this 47, percentage... 27 Q-tips. Yeah. <laughs> Two picks. Yeah, and and so we talk about this for a couple months, and I'm like, you know what? I you know I really want to move forward with this. Let's do it. And so we start planning it all out, and then um, we bring in Zach Younger because Zach Younger has just been a part of this circle. We're like, it would just... We have to at least give him the opportunity yeah. because of, you know, our relationship. So he wanted in, um, and... Like the whole concept is we you know, we have the position market center tech trainer, but not every office can afford to hire another person or sees the value of hiring, paying a whole salary for this position. So let's create a gap filler of a virtual person. So someone who can do this on Zoom and is like, an actual person like me, not like a VA. Well, you not are that a person. Yeah, like an actual, you know, a real MCTT, yeah. not like a virtual assistant in the Philippines who's not in the system and doesn't like understand the nuances of yeah. everything. Um, and so, yeah, so we went forward with it, and what worked out beautifully was that right as we were about to launch, um, the market started shifting. And Cody decided that this wasn't a salary that he could afford to continue paying. Mm -hmm. And so it was a perfect overlap as soon as, you know, that, you know, one door closed, the other one, we opened another one. Um, And again, this was, this was absolutely terrifying for me. This is the first time I've ever not been a W-2 employee in my entire life. Yeah. Um, And there's comfort to that to you, right? Or what, what is... What does the W-2 like give to you? Yeah, it's, well, yeah, W-2 gives me stability and safety, and I I know where my next check is coming. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like, I didn't, you know, I grew up in, eh, middle class, you know, like, lower middle class. Um, So, like, there was scarcity mindset, right? And then I was in... um, a very unhealthy marriage for a long time. And because of that, I'm not going to get into the details, but there's a lot of scarcity mindset that came out of that. And so I've got, that's our podcast after dark. Yeah. (laughs) And so I've got this, like this deep rooted scarcity mindset around money. Okay. And I still struggle with it today. Um, like I know I I was actually just stressing about money before we got on this call. So I'm really happy that, you know, we're doing this uh, podcast and I'm not having to worry about that anymore. It's an and, Right? Yeah, it's not a but. Like as stupid as it sounds, like you're stressed about money mm-hmm. or all this scarcity, and you're doing something. And I'm challenging it. it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm not letting it dictate my decisions because okay. I see again. I'm I'm sh- challenging my scarcity mindset with an opportunistic mindset, and I see an opportunity, and I'm learning to tell myself I would rather. Like, I fear losing that opportunity more than I fear uh, the potential loss of money. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't apply for the regional tech trainer role because I knew I would have to travel for it. Yeah. And I wasn't – I was scared of what would happen in my home while I was gone. Yeah. And I looked – and so I – and then I saw that role go to someone else, and that loss shook me. Like that, that opportunity, that forfeited opportunity shook me. And I was like, I'm not gonna let 
opportunity just slip away like that because of fear. And so I saw this and I see this big opportunity and I'm not going to let fear dictate. I'm not going to, there's so much potential good that I'm going to focus on the potential good, not the potential evil. Yeah. Right. Not the potential bad. And, you know, and I did it. I, we, you know, we launched this company. It's, and it's not all rainbows and butterflies. It's, you know, what? my, my income's not where I want it to be, but I, and, and <laughs> I did the right things to set myself up to go through this. Yeah. to be in a place where I'm in a launch phase of a business and I've got other things to lean on. I've got my KWU approval and I can go around and teach classes and get whatever, you know, if I get to the point where I'm like, hey, I, I really need a thousand bucks, I just go book a training gig and I've got it covered, right? And so I've, I'm, I didn't just jump into this foolishly because I saw the opportunity and was like, oh, I'm just going to, let's, Hopes and prayers, we're yeah. going to make it. You know, yeah. it was, okay, I've got the things in place, and I'm still taking a risk. I mean, this whole thing could blow up on me, and, you know, I would have to do, be traveling constantly to be able to maintain my, you know, my lifestyle. And I don't, you know, I don't want to be traveling constantly. I've got kids. But um, we're, and, sorry, uh, and right now we're, we're going and we're growing and we're getting to that point and I see the light at the end of the tunnel and I'm loving the journey along the way. I think the biggest difference for this in me that I am absolutely in love with is the stress because it's my stress. It's not Cody's stress. It's not my operating principal's stress. It's not my manager's stress. It's my stress and I own that stress. And so it turns into motivation because this is my thing. Yeah. This is my baby that I'm stressed over, right? Like, I I worry about my kids because I worry because they're my kids. I love them, right? And I like I care about them. It's a care thing. It's not like a this stress that I really am not emotionally attached to, aside from this being overwhelming. <clears throat> yeah, it's like you're you're there's so much magic in putting yourself through that versus it's a choice. Yeah. Meaning like you have a choice. You could go get any job you wanted at KW, whatever. Like the stress you have is your choice. And when it's your choice, the stress is actually almost like, oh, I like it. It like it feels is. better. Yeah. It's like there's ownership I, there. I don't want to relate it. I mean I I'll, I'd relate it to I've been really getting into fitness and like Ironmans and marathons. Mm-hmm. When I was doing my Ironman, my half Ironman, it was like, eight, it almost took me eight hours. And, and the thing that got me through it was like, I'm choosing to do this. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not being forced to do this. This is my choice. Like, this pain and misery and suffering, which is probably the worst I've ever experienced, I would almost chuckle because I was like, <laughs> it's my choice. Yeah. Like, no one's, it's not like I'm doing this for someone else. Yeah. And so there's got to be so much comfort in that or like, not comfort, that's a bad word, but like, just, there's you're a, almost like laughing about it or is it joy? Yeah. Because uh, there's a piece, you. there's a, a piece, piece to it. Yeah. It's a stress. Yeah. Not all stress has to be bad. Yeah. Without stress, we would be dead. Yeah. <laughs> but, we would die. Yeah. So something Cody would say all the time is, I, I'm at peace, but I'm not content. And that's 100% where I'm at, right? And, and it's, 
again, it's my thing. So it's not like I can be like, oh, you know, this job sucks because, like, Mark's not doing his job. No, I look back and this job sucks right now because I didn't do my job yeah. two days ago when I should have done my job and I made my own stress. So there's no one else to blame but oh, me. I so so I, I have full ownership. control over the stress that I'm experiencing. Yeah. And I can learn from it instead of having this cop out of being like, Mark, just do your damn job and yeah. my life's going to be easier. No, it's like, Chris, do your damn job and your life's going to be easier. I love it. I love that so much. There was one more Codyism that you said that I think of a lot. Do you, do you know what that is? The one plus one can't equal two? No. That's another one that I riff what on all it? the time. One plus one cannot equal two. Okay. It always has to equal more than two. Okay. So this is a conversation I have with business owners a lot is what activities are you are you doing that are yielding more than So it's like a multiple. Yeah. Yeah, yielding more than its expected result. Okay. So if you're paying for a service, what else are you being what how much more juice can you squeeze out of that company? Yeah. Does the owner of that company own another company? that you can then buy a service from and then group it together and save some money? Or are you buying a service from a company that can then pay or sponsor an event that you're doing? So now that you're doing an event at a lower cost or yeah. they're paying it entirely, like what what ancillary benefits are you finding in all of your relationships? So every we've got two two forms of currency, time and money. So is that transaction more than just a one-to-one? Is it getting you back more time? Is it getting you back more money or both? Cool. Mine is I can do, uh, I can do anything, anything, but I can't, can't do, do everything. everything. Yep. <laughs> I think about that all the time because mm-hmm. that's true. You used to try and do everything. I Yeah, I kind of still try, but I think I'm, I'm recovering. Yeah, well, so. You were doing the two market centers. You were doing oh. your team. You were doing labs advisors. Oh. You were getting drunk on Friday on Zoom with us. <laughs> so as we wrap up, <laughs> um, no, I think there's been a lot of nuggets. I think this would be one that you want to listen to more than once. Uh, what what last words do you have, or what is there anything I didn't ask you that you wish I would have? Oh, man. That's a really good question. Yes. Yeah. So this one, I, I was called Scott Question Kloss. <laughs> like, my middle name was Question. I was trying to think of, like, what was I called? Yeah. Scott Question Kloss. Mm. So I pride myself on good questions. Yeah. So thank you. So I think really at the end of the day, it's coming down to the understanding that we can't control what happens to us and we can't really control our initial reaction but we can control our response oh yes and victor frankel is that i don't it's it's like the holocaust survivor that he's kind of coined that whole philosophy oh wow you can't control yeah like what what's given to you but you can control your response Mm -hmm. i didn't mean to cut you off but like I got excited. Yeah, no, so there's. Like the, I didn't uh, know that, so that gives that makes it way I mean, richer. If you're, in, if you're in the Holocaust, like, what choice do you have? Yeah, but he could control his response to all of it. Yep, and I mean we we're put at a fork in the road multiple times a day mm-hmm. with that. 
Um, and I think if we if we lived in a world where people chose to respond instead of submit to their initial reaction, chose to not be victims of everything that happens in the world, and chose to just think, just think, wrestle with things, ask questions, get to the root of things. I can't tell you how many times, you know, people have just made a statement that was literally a copy and paste of something else someone said, and I'll, I'll ask them, well, what do you mean by that? And they'll have no idea because they're just regurgitating what someone else said. If we just lived in that world where people were bigger thinkers and responders instead of reactors, then things would be entirely different. And I, I tell you, our, our world is run by responders. The, the big names that we know, the Elon Musk, the Mark Zuckerbergs, the, you know, the you know, you name them, yep. but they're all, they're all thinkers, right? We, is turning into a little bit of a rant, but rant, rant, Rockefeller, rant. Rockefeller said, I want a nation of workers, not a nation of thinkers. And we're currently reaping the rewards of that. Watch any, you scroll through social media, watch any news network. It's apparent that we are not a nation of thinkers, right? And that's been created through our education system is to be workers and reactors, not thinkers and responders. So we need to take that extra effort to now become responders and not reactors. And if we do that, our whole world is going to change. My whole world changed because I I, I was just blessed enough to get accepted for a Keller Williams position and have people come around me and teach me how to be a responder and not a reactor. That's deep. That is deep. I love it. <laughs> and I love that um, I just, I love the journey that you went on. And it's been less than five years. You know, yeah. it hasn't been 20, 30 years. Like, you went from basically, what what do I have to offer this planet to having your own business, being approved to teach, like, all these other things in less than five years. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So I wonder what five years from now will look like. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. Like, honestly, I, I've been in the position lately where I've been thinking back, and me five years ago was one of the most hopeless times of my life. Yeah. And I could have never, like, I could, if someone came to me and said, hey, in five years, this is what your life is going to be, Damn. I would I would have called bullshit all day. <laughs> I'd be like, get out of here. No way. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm making, I'm making past me pretty, cool. pr- pretty proud right now. That's very, that's so cool. So yeah. we'll, we'll do this again. Maybe it'll be five years, maybe it'll be less, but it's been an honor. And I would encourage everyone to, if you haven't already, please follow, like, subscribe. I don't even know the lingo, <laughs> uh, but would, would love to. Would love to have you, your feedback, your comments, and thank you to Chris. If you have any questions for him, you can respond. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Scott. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Wait, wait. Bye. Bye.